Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. All right. Praise the Lord. Man, it's so good to see you this morning. I've been so excited. I don't know if it's because we had an extra hour of sleep last night. But, and I know, I know most of you here probably don't even attempt to do that. You stay up an extra hour because you think you can. But uh, I'm to the age I take advantage of it. <laughs> Over the last several weeks, we've been in this series. And believe it or not, it's coming to a close. Uh, next Sunday, we'll be wrapping this series up. But it's not just a series to be a series. Um, I, I love doing series because it keeps us connected in a way and, and helps us learn a little bit better. But what has this been about? It's really the mission of our church. It, it's why we at, Gra- at Grace River even exist. And I believe the mission of every church is the same. We just word it differently to match who we are. But I, I just want us to read that. Uh, and I want you to read it with me. Is that okay? I mean, I, if you're watching this morning, I want to hear you. All right, let's read this together. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives. Okay, let's read it one more time, and I'm not going to say anything. I just want to hear you. Ready? Grace River. Good, good. Why is that important? Because we want every generation to experience the transforming power of God in every area of their life. You know, for a long time when I was younger, and certainly many years ago, it was almost like our relationship with Christ was just based on a get-out-of-hell-free card. I'm saved, and I know I'm supposed to be good somehow, and my parents really kept me in check, you know. So when when I say... I was raised old school. Do I need to go into detail? Right? Um, my dad knew how to keep me in check, but it, it was mainly just our relationship with Christ was, was we're not going to go to hell. God loves us so much more. It's not keeping us out of something. It's leading us into. It's not just to keep us from damnation. He, he's, he doesn't choose to send us there. It's giving us a life that is abundant. And so when we talk about a transformed life, what does that transformed life look like? How does that even start? Well, we've been talking about this. It's it's people experience the fact that they can be saved through Jesus Christ. So we can be saved. People can be healed, set free. And when we talk about healing and set free, I, I can't go into it today. We've already spent Sundays on it. But believe me, all of us have things in our life that maybe even now we're still wrestling with. It might have been something that happened many, many years ago, and you're still walking through a process of healing. But he is the healer. Thank God for the miracle of medicine, but he is the healer. Thank God for for modern-day psychology and, and all those that are attempting to help. But I promise you, after all the help is finished, you need to know Jesus Christ. But then what does it mean to be set free? We talked about that. The reality is this. Many of us, the prison doors of our life has been opened, but we're still sitting inside. And instead of walking in freedom, and instead of walking and being who we're called to be, we don't think we can. That's what, to a great extent, that's what COVID has messed a lot of people up. I was teaching a class a few days ago, and I just asked the students, because even, you know, know, full confession here, I mean, my wife and I, for several weeks, she's out of town this morning, but for several weeks... You know, we're just at the house, and we know we've got projects. We've got different things going on. We're, we're the, the staff in the, the church, we're launching a school in January from our daycare, so there's a lot of transition going on. So I'm just sort of walking around the house, and even after we did our morning devotions and prayer, I'm just like, nobody. You know, it's, I, God, if you'll just help me get motivated. 
where's the coffee? I need something. Where, what's that? It, the reality is, I asked some of the students, and they were like, man, everybody's like that. Now, if you're not like that, don't sweat it. Don't, don't get nervous. But I thought, okay, why, why is it? Is it just a bad week, or we're taking on more than we can handle? What's the deal? Here's what I believe it is, and I, I mentioned this a moment ago briefly. I firmly believe that when God allowed us to stand still, we realized how much of our lives really didn't make sense. How much of our lives were just busyness. It even brought us to a point where we began to see what really was important. The challenge is getting back to a place where you can approach what's really important. Once COVID began to open up again, you started to get busy again. And the problem is getting busier made you even more depressed. Because there's nothing worse than doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So we started getting busy in, in a lot of our lives doing the same things, same routines, but it doesn't bring any joy, and we're wondering why this isn't working. Um, I'm not saying your job's not important, and I encourage students, do your work. There's not going to be a miracle greater that comes in. Um, do your work. We need to motivate each other, but what am, I, what am I speaking to? It's constantly being reminded as we just took communion of what Jesus Christ has done, but then constantly being reminded of what we can be doing. We're not just waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. We need to be living this out. So what does it mean to be a disciple? That was the other aspect. We're disciples. But then we're equipped. And if you were here last Sunday, I didn't go into a lot of details on the giftedness part because we, we just need to be equipped. Whatever God has called you to, he will equip you for. The reason last week I didn't go into a lot of details on specific gifts, and we, we do this in our flow class, our membership class, and we encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, I'm not preaching on the, the local church this morning, but if I was, you need to be a part of one. If you're visiting, praise God, but you need to be locked and loaded in your local church. <clears throat> the answer, my friend, is not blowing in the wind. It's rooted and grounded at the local church. There's a song in there somewhere. Find that. Um, so what do we talk about with being equipped? That God has a plan and he wants to equip you for it. It's just understanding. I've got to live a surrendered life for me to prepare. And I've got to be following Jesus Christ for me to be used by him. So today I want to talk about what it means to be empowered. What it means to be empowered. What does empowered mean? In its simplest term, it means to be given the authority. It means to be given the ability. And without, I know you're not supposed to use a word to define a word, but it gives you power. Okay? My wife and I, <clears throat> about three weeks ago, decided, um, I know the names of our carriers are going to slip out during this conversation, but I'm not anti-anybody, Okay? <coughs> Excuse me. But we decided to change our carrier because everything at our house is Verizon. So we wanted to make everything in our life Verizon. And our phones were on AT&T, right? And how many know what kind of power you hold in your hand that you carry everywhere you go? You know? Um, I mean, sociologists tell us already that no, you know, you check this about every 22 seconds. All right? Um, you live on it. You're probably going to read your Bible off of it here in a few minutes. Check your emails, text somebody, um, you know, whatever happens, all right? Just, you know, please, just wait a few more minutes, I'll be done. But it was funny because we, we talk about that, but as we sat um, at home, my wife just decided, you know what, we can do this. So she called AT&T and said, hey, we're, we're canceling everything, you need to release everything, we've got our own SIMS card, we're just going to put our SIMS card in. And they said, okay, yeah, fine, go for it. And then we called Verizon. They said, you're set up, you're good to go, put the SIMS card in. And my wife, um, we sat down and started putting SIM cards in things, and nothing was working. So then I'm looking at my phone that doesn't work at all, 
And then, I, then this panic starts to set in. Okay? Because it's like now I can't call anybody. Come on, Pastor. This is it's a sign from God, isn't it? Get off technology. I've got a point here. Work with me. Um, so as we sat there, didn't get in a fight. That's usually good fodder for a good fight right there. Husbands and wives, give me an amen. Um, but I said, okay, no, we, we can't do this by ourselves, and I'm not talking to one more computer. So we did that for two days because they kept telling us, oh, you, you're cut off here, but I could make phone calls with AT&T. But Verizon was saying, oh, no, you're, it's open. You just don't have access from them. Something's blocked. Something's not working. Something's not happened. You have everything you need right here, but something's stopping it from your side. So we went to the Verizon store. If you've ever experienced this, and I know all of you who are highly technical are thinking, yeah, I know how to solve that in 22 seconds. Just work with me on that, all right? So we went to the Verizon store, and even at the Verizon store, they said, you're absolutely ready to go. I don't know what the problem is. We called AT&T from the Verizon store, and they said, you're absolutely good to go from here too. But it looks like something's on your phone is not working. Something's wrong. Something's blocking it. So as I sat in Verizon for 45 minutes on the phone with no access, I just thought, you know, this is a good story for patience. But not really. Because what, what the Lord really began to show me was, um, you think you've got power. You think you've got all that you need. And listen, we, we have advantages to technology. I'm not knocking technology. I'm just saying we start depending on it in such a way that the simplest thing could block it, and we realize how powerless we are. So as we sat in the store, you can't argue with Verizon. You can't argue with AT&T. You're just sitting there realizing something's blocking this. And if, it, if it's not blocked, I've got total access. I can walk in freedom. I can call whoever I want to call. I can receive calls. I can text. I can notice that I'm lost. Um, so what did we have to do? We had to get some things unblocked. We had to go into our phone. AT&T had to admit some mistakes. And when we finally found the answer and it was released, guess what happened? Power. Now, now what am I talking about this morning about being empowered? Sometimes as believers, and I'm going to approach this from a couple of different perspectives, sometimes as believers, we think get saved, and depending on where and how you were raised in the church, we automatically think of being filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. We think of gifts, we think of operations, we think of abilities, and we think empowered, and we've not got everything unclogged yet. There's stuff in our lives. Now, I'm not saying you have to be perfect. You'll never be perfect here. But I wonder sometimes that, that we have a mindset of, oh, God, I want to give you everything in my life, but... And I still want to be empowered. It's not going to happen. It's just not. It doesn't mean you become perfect. You have to become yielded. So I want to look at a couple different things. So, so first of all, the first thing we have to do, and this is sort of, um, we've already stated this several times this morning, but the first, if you want to be empowered, and again, depending on your background, don't get nervous because this is not the service where we're trying to get everybody to go Pentecostal. Right? Now, I'm not anti-Pentecostal. I'm not, you know, here's something that we all need to be healed of. If you're anti-anything, you're in trouble. It's being pro-Christ. You need to know what you stand for. You need to know in whom you believe. And there just comes a point, uh, you know, in your family, you have children, right? If your children are small enough, you, you know right away, they may think they can do what they want to do, but if you get into traffic, they just can't run around in traffic. You will grab them by their neck, you will grab them by their shirt, you'll grab them by their hands, 
and pull them out of traffic, right? Because they don't know how to make their own decisions. The same thing sometimes when we get saved, when we start our walk in Christ, it's not that he's trying to punish us. It's not that he just wants to make sure that we've got total surrender in place before he starts empowering us to walk around in authority. So here's, here's the first thing. We need to receive Christ. Receive Christ. Now, I know that sounds like a no-brainer, but here's what I'm suggesting this morning. If the work's already done, you can't earn it, you don't deserve it, you still need to receive it. You need to receive it. Um, Christmas is here very quickly, right? If I give a gift to you, don't get excited, but if I give a gift to you and you don't reach out and take it, you will not receive that gift. I could set it right in front of you, and if you don't reach out and receive it, you will not receive it. This isn't going to get much deeper than that. But now, what's the secret to receiving? Having a giving spirit. How does giving allow you to receive? Well, first of all, I have to understand that it only, the only way I can get what I'm asked to receive is if I reach out. But when I reach out, I can't be holding stuff. I was going to have a lot of weird illustrations up here today, but if, if you're carrying around all your burdens and all your shame and all your guilt, and you're carrying around all your desires, if you're walking in the flesh, if you're, if you're doing what you want to do, because how many would agree that we live in a world that we think we should be in control of everything? Okay, just two of us. God bless you, sir. <laughs> and the rest of us, Here's your thought. He's not going to tell me what to do. I'm not going to raise my hand just because he said raise my hand. That's called control, folks. That's called I'm the boss of me. Well, when did that happen? When you were born. And it started showing up when you were a toddler. Because what are children's most first words? No. We want it to be mommy and daddy, but it's usually no mommy. Right? Nothing against children. We love them. <laughs> But what's worse is when a toddler is 10 and he's still saying no. Or when a toddler is 20 or you're 20 and still acting like a toddler. Or, or you're 50 and still acting like a toddler because you really still think it's all about us, right? All I'm saying, when you are a giver, it's easier to receive. Because what I'm simply saying here is when we come to Christ, it's not just making him a part of our lives. We're saying, God, I surrender. You are Lord. You are Savior. You are Lord. I give you my everything. Can I tell you that, that I remind myself of that every morning? I have to because my flesh rises up. I think of things I've got to do. I think of places I've got to go. I think of conversations I need to have, and I start defending those conversations. And I start deciding how I'm going to have to do things and what I need to do and how I need to get things accomplished. And all that may be true because I'm sure you all have busy lives. But if I don't start by reminding myself who's in charge, I end my day saying, Father, please forgive me and help me tomorrow. Um, does that make sense? Now, I'm talking about being empowered. So the first thing I need to do is receive. And we have the, the scripture there that, we, that I had put there for that passage. Go ahead and put that up. It simply says this, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believed in his name. That, that word right there, and I use this translation specifically, but that word right there, to them he gave power or the right. That word does not mean dunamis, it means authority. So when, he, when you give your life to Christ, when you surrender everything to Christ, you have authority to be a child of God. You have authority to walk in his name. Now, it's, not, it's not about authority to, to finally be somebody and go boss everybody around at work. That's not what we're talking about. It's now no matter where your life has been, you can walk in the kind of identity that, 
that identifies you with Jesus Christ. That's why baptism is so important. But we're talking about empowerment here because you need to understand as a believer, you begin to walk in power. You begin to walk in authority. You begin to walk in a life that's going to make a difference. You begin to be a husband or a wife that spouses see change. And, and they see not just wordplay, but they see life change. You become a different husband. You become a different father. You become a different student. You become a different friend. Now people can start taking you at your word because there's life change. Now that may not seem very important to some of us, but listen, you get out in the world, just watch the media for 10 minutes. And then change the station and watch another media. And then change the station and watch another media. And we do it every day, don't we? Well, I try not to. Here's what we do every day. We start trying to figure out which one is true and how the truth fits in. And then there's this angst in your heart because it somehow doesn't align with the truth that's in you, but we try to make it fit. No, you need to surrender to Christ. And I told you don't check your brains at the door. Surrender to Christ. Walk it out in Jesus Christ. Follow him because you're now walking in authority. But then he says, the second thing we do is to, to be empowered is to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we know exactly, most of us would have started right there in Acts, right? I didn't start in Acts for one purpose. It's because that's our go-to, and we just want it to be energetic, energy, and power. Now, believe me, it needs to be. But it's not about losing control. It's about walking in power. It's not about, um, please excuse me, flopping around on the floor. I've been doing several studies over the last several weeks, and when I read of the great church fathers, uh, this is going to mess some of you up, because I know there's a belief out there, sensation, and, and a lot of people believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ended with the apostles. Um, well, they didn't read the rest of church history, obviously. Because I can take you through church father after church father, after through the Catholic church, through the Reformation. Now, now but please understand, because they built it off of Paul's understanding in 1 Corinthians. They didn't deny it existed. They just kept saying, that's not what it's all about. Oh, pastor, you just messed me up. Well, that, that's just it. If we're not careful, here's what I want to identify with this morning. If we're not careful, it becomes about an experience here in these four walls, but nobody ever sees it out there. And that's where Paul is even talking to the church. Listen, if there's tongues, this is, this is the controversial part. And you don't have to raise your hands on any of this, by the way. Because if you don't believe in it, that's okay. I know a lot of people who don't believe in it. But when it happens right in front of you, you can't deny it. Right? The, the problem is, if the... if if those who are speaking in tongues are, are worshiping ecstatically, if that does not, if that's all we do, we're done. And what, what Paul is simply saying is, listen, um, you know, I wish we all could speak like that. But listen, I, I'd rather there be something that makes sense. So why doesn't that make sense? Because it's an edification for the believer. And if there are tongues, there better be interpretation of tongues. Now, I'm not saying better like I'm the boss, but just in case you don't know, I'm the pastor. We're going to talk about church authority in a few minutes. Now, that's not arrogance. I'm a shepherd. Um, so what, what are you saying then about tongues and interpretation of tongues and the gifts? That's why I don't get off on a lot of gifts until we start doing some personal discipleship. Because in a setting like this, everybody just starts, they just clamor for their personal little hook, and they live right there. Well, I don't believe it's wrong. Why don't we all focus on what's right? Who, whose lives have been changed this week because of you? Because everybody, and here's what the church fathers would say. Listen, I'll sit down with you and walk you through. Because um, from origin to Irenaeus to, I mean, you name it, and I promise you, the gifts of the Spirit have been identified even in the dark ages. I can take you to Catholic churches right now who have charismatic prayer groups, okay? 
So please, this isn't about if it's true or false. It's what do we do with it, understanding that there's power. Um, okay, I'm not going to get too emotional about this, but um, we understand that if, if I had a lamp up here and plugged it into the socket over here, it makes sense. I believe in that lamp. But just because you say you don't believe in electricity, if we cut that cord and let you hold it, it doesn't mean that there's no electricity. You can say it doesn't exist all day long right until it hits you. So, so what am I saying? It's We argue too much about if it is rather than there's a bulb. I wonder, why, I wonder maybe if instead of looking at it as, well, i got to find out what my gift is so I can really, I know we don't say this out loud, but we live it out loud, show off. I've got a gift and I want to buy a bus, start a ministry. I've got a gift and, and I just need to be turned loose to use it. You do have gifts. I'm talking about being so surrendered to God that the gift doesn't get in the way of your relationship with God. That you have such a relationship with God that people aren't arguing about how you worship is right or wrong because of how you live on the outside, the power and the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And, and don't get nervous because this doesn't mean that the next time you're in Walmart, you're grabbing the checker's microphone speaking in tongues to everybody. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not at all what we're talking about. And that's why some of us get so nervous when we talk about the Holy Spirit. He's not giving us power just for those gifts. He's giving us power to live. See, who cares? You know, I, I pastored for a long time. Um, I've been a, a senior pastor at a church for almost 30 years and involved in staff for almost 35. I've seen junk. I've seen stuff. I've seen stupid. Paul is dealing with it in most of the New Testament church. Why? And I know those are strong words. But why? Because it's called humanity. That's why we still read that same scripture to us today, right? That not because we're not calling anybody simple or stupid in here, please, we'll come up with better words. But here's the reality. We all let the flesh get in the way and start minoring on the minors instead of majoring on the majors and focusing on Jesus Christ and seeing life change. And, and here's the beautiful thing. If, if we get carried away in that kind of stuff, we're using power, if you will, but it's only inside the building. And Satan doesn't care at all how well you shout. Satan doesn't care if you speak in tongues. I, I was getting ready to say a few minutes ago, um, several years ago, on Easter Sunday, um, I was sitting on the stage, pastor was up preaching, and we had asked everyone to invite someone to church. And when you ask people to invite someone to church, you need to take them, you need to be able to Expect that they might do that. So this lady on the way to church picked up a man. He was so drunk, but he needed Jesus. And she said, you're coming to church with me. Put him in the car, set him on the back row. And as the preacher was preaching, he said, and when the stone was rolled away, and this man thought he said that Jesus rolled the stone away. And in his mind, he thought, that's not right. So in a group of about 600 people, this man stands up and screams, preach the truth! And of course, my pastor at that time brilliantly just turned and started preaching to this side of the congregation, <laughs> hoping he would just disappear. Now, I'm, I'm saying that because... You have to understand that if you're operating in what we're talking about, people might show up. Uh, we want people to show up. Pastor, you think you want drunks to show up? I want anybody to show up. Bring anybody with you. But here's the problem. If we think it's all about a worship service and not living it out there, because what I had to do, I saw the ushers gang tackle him and dragging him to the parking lot I had to go out in the parking lot and stop four ushers filled with the Holy Spirit ushers from beating this man to a pulp. All in the mindset of, you don't interrupt our Easter Sunday. 
Um, now, now, I'm not picking on our ushers. I'm not picking on drunks. I'm, I'm, ask, I'm just asking a simple question. I think sometimes we're beautiful lamps, but not plugged into the power. And, and we've gotten satisfied with, well, you know, the power was four years ago. Now, now the power, let me ask you a question. Whether, whether you, and this, I'm not, listen, you guys know me. If you don't know me, ask anybody around here who knows me. I'm not that emotional guy, okay? Um, I was raised in music. I was raised uh, singing. I know how to bring emotions, but I'm not an emotional guy. You're never going to see me run the aisles. Lord, please don't try to prove something. But you, you, you've never seen me do that. So I'm not here to work something up. I'm here to try to get you to simply understand if the Holy Spirit is moving in your life, would you be open to doing something? Would you be open to the Holy Spirit if, if he began to move? Or would it be, well, no, I, I just, I don't believe that's for today. Well, what is for today? I'm, I'm just asking, I'm, what is for today? Are we just empowered to exist? Or do we not still need the Holy Spirit? Are we just empowered to have church? And I believe powerfully in the preached word of God. But I, I also know that after we preach the word of God, the Holy Spirit's got to be dealing in your heart somewhere. And, and when you leave here today, you've got to be asking yourself questions. Wow. And, and please, I hope it's not about tongues. I hope it's about, maybe it is about tongues. Will you start watching your mouth at work? Because we are talking about surrender. God, will you, give me a, will you give me the power to shut my mouth? Amen. Right? It's, it's one of those things where, where we know, sometimes it's not the parts of the Bible we don't understand that messes us up. It's the parts of the Bible that are very clear. And we just don't want to do it. What, what if the Holy Spirit is leading you to take steps of faith? See, I know God has put some he heavy dreams and desires on your lives. But something happens as we get older. We get callous. We don't believe it can happen anymore. And we just sort of settle in for, well, I, I guess this is what it is. No, you need to be empowered to see a fresh and anew. And, and it's not that, that we're praying. This is why, boy, I hope I'm making sense this morning. Because I'm trying to stay away from all the gifts. I told you about we've, give, we've given out assessments before. And unfortunately, when we do that, brand new believers take an assessment and they think, wow, okay, I'm supposed to be a teacher. Where? Tell me, where am I supposed to be a teacher? Well, can you spell it first? We want you to know what does it even mean to be a teacher. On the other hand, I love it when new believers are ready to go. Because a lot of times, old believers have gotten comfortable. And they are just waiting on the return of Jesus Christ. Am, am I making sense? Am I? Everybody still love me, sort of? Because we start in, in, in Acts, and we know the book of Acts. Jesus is with the disciples. Jesus and each of these passages are talking to disciples. Put Acts chapter 1 up there. <clears throat> but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That means that has nothing to do with a worship service. You shall be witnesses. In other words, and it's not even a communication gift. It means your life should be a witness. It should be obvious Jesus has touched your life. Well, but pastor, I'm still wrestling with stuff. I didn't say you'll stop wrestling with stuff. I didn't say, that's a, that's, a, that's a work of God that's continuing. Believe me, I need a fresh move of God every day in my life. And I'm, I'm not trying to use Christianese. I'm just saying, that's why I pray every day. That's why I seek God every day. Why? Because I'm not perfect. This isn't about somebody being perfect. This is, he who began a good work in me will complete it. There's a continuation. There's discipleship. There's a following of Christ. We grow and we continue to mature. But nobody here, listen, there's some very mature people here, but we're not fully mature. We continue to grow. We continue to develop. 
And I'm not too embarrassed to admit that there's a lot of times God just shows me specifically, here's why I'm having you walk through what you're walking through. I need to slow you down a little bit because you need to grow in these areas. And it's just when I felt like I was getting some momentum. Well, how, how does God slow us down? Be careful what you ask for. That's why I never pray for patience. I just practice it because he'll find ways to show you. Put that other scripture in Acts, please. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, not, I'm trying not to stay by my notes. Now, when the apostles, again, he's, he's speaking to disciples. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they may receive the Holy Spirit. Put that Acts uh, 18, I believe it is. Or, for the, as yet they had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Put Acts 18 up there. Or 19, sorry. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've had not so much as heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. Now, now here's, here's, here's all I'm saying. It's not that being empowered is this weird thing. It's a natural part of what God wants to do in your life. If God saves you and heals you and sets you free, and please listen to me, even if you're still walking through stuff, even if you're still walking through transformation, you know, you don't become a butterfly overnight. It, it, even, even though I walk through different seasons, even though I walk through different periods in my life where there's pain, there's suffering, I don't understand every step. It's not that he's abandoned me. He's doing a work in me and through me. And if I'm not careful, I only get stuck on what God wants to do with me. Right here. God, please empower me for this. And God's saying, no, no, you don't understand. I'm trying to get this unclogged. Because if I can empower this, then you walk in authority. And it's not about can the big things happen. It's something big is happening in you. And then even your conversation with your children will have impact. Even conversation, if you're serving soup or preaching in the church, everything you do now has powerful impact because it's anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, not only receive the Holy Spirit, but the last point, and I'll quickly hurry. Receive spiritual authority. Now, here's what this means. I, I'm never walking in my authority. I'm walking in his authority. Which means I'm walking in a surrendered life. But now here's, here's where it gets a little tricky, especially in, I'm going to say right now the American church. You can see it throughout history, but it's predominantly in the American church right now. Because after all, we live in the home of the free and the land of the brave. Don't tread on me. And we've individualized that. We've turned that into don't tell me what to do. My relationship with Jesus Christ, you have no authority over me. You don't know your word. Um, it would be like, and I asked Arson for permission to do this this morning. In, in our military circles, he serves as highest commanding officer in NATO for Albania here in America. And, and even in our military circle, his next, his next promotion, which is coming, will be general. I'm trying to get him to relocate here, but I don't think it works. <laughs> that won't work that way. Um, Jesus went up to a commander like Arson one day, and the commander said, Jesus, please, I, I need help. My son needs healing. Please, would you please help me? And Jesus said, let's go. And the commander said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm a man under authority. I know all about authority. I know who you are. All you have to do is say the word. And I know they'll obey. And Jesus said, this was not a Jew. Jesus said, I've not seen greater faith of anyone in Israel. 
because this man understands what kind of authority he walks in, and he believes me for that kind of authority. So I see now, what does life for you look like differently this week? Not when you're walking in arrogance. Not when you're walking in cockiness. Not when you're walking in who you are. Not when you're, because you might get stepped on this week. You might get blasted sometime this week. Somebody may chew you out sometime this week. <clears throat> this isn't about standing up and giving them a part of your anointed mind. I wonder what it would look like, though, is, is we are so empowered that we're able to love our enemies. To do good to them. To do evil. Why? Because we're so, we, we know down deep inside. Well, we know who we serve. No weapon formed against us can prosper. I, I know he's just chewing us out. And I don't know what your circumstances are. That's just an illustration. I could have easily sat there with my phone and said, you know, forget it. I'm throwing this thing away. I'm tired of waiting. I'll just buy another phone. You know, we get so impatient, so frustrated that we, we think we'll just go somewhere else. When all along, all God is saying is, if we'll just get the stuff out of the way that's in the way, he'll make a way. So, so when we look at spiritual authority, it's, it's not about, and I, please understand, I'm talking next week about serving. So that puts actions to our steps. Steps of faith. One thing I fear is even after a message like this, sometimes people are so afraid to take a next step of faith because they want to somehow feel empowered. Listen, there are feelings to everything we talk about, but, but stepping out by faith does not mean feelings need to be there, or now we're walking by feelings and not faith. What I'm simply talking about is what would life look like this week if I left here today saying, God, I want everything out of the way that's in the way. I want to be a vessel that when your power flows through me, it impacts others around me. God's, and please, let our worship be powerful, let it be authentic, but like every evangelist and everyone I've ever known, what they say after the worship service is, let's see what now. After we've worshiped and surrendered, it's what does life look like now? I think I've shared this, and, and I'm closing. Please forgive me for going so long this morning. Ingrid, if you'll please come, I'll have to close. <clears throat> I, I shared this with the class a few weeks ago, and I think I shared it with you once. What would it look like if we had to write our own eulogy? What would it look like? And that sounds a little gruesome, I know. Um, but most of us would have to write it by faith. He was a good man. But I got a lot of work to do, right? Everybody loved him. Here's, here's my point. What if we begin to approach God by faith? God, here I am. I've not been what I should be. And I can't go back. I can't go back and start over, but I can start today determining how the end could look like. Lord, here I am. I surrender. I want to receive whatever you have for me. And, and please understand, I'm not talking about just an emotional feeling. I want to receive. There may be things in my life that I've been carrying, I've been dealing with, but Lord, I'm, I'm lost. I'm weak. I, I, I keep tripping over the same issues. I keep falling in the same areas. That doesn't mean he doesn't love you. That just means he wants you to get back up and keep following him. And, and just maybe, please listen to me, just maybe it could be that that's the thing he's working on. So when you have victory over that, then that becomes the platform you're standing on. I hope I'm making sense. Now, don't get me wrong. God has used and will use any vessel heal that is yielded to him. If you make yourself available, he'll make you able. But it's will we. I think the greatest um, 
temptation is for us to be willing to say, yes, Lord, here I am. But then as soon as he speaks to us outside the four walls, we don't. So what does it look like? It might be something as simple as um, sitting down with somebody and telling them you're sorry. It, it might be something as simple as sitting down and telling someone your story. Um, and instead of, instead of looking around and maybe judging, look at yourself and say, okay, God, what are you doing in me? Because I'm going to take some steps this week, and I'm going to treat people differently. I'm going to purposefully walk in that authority. And the authority is, isn't to set somebody else straight. Sometimes the authority is just to make sure you walk straight. No, nobody, nobody, and I know the culture we live in, nobody in their right mind, if a police officer went out and stood in the middle of the street right now in full uniform and held his hand up, nobody in their right mind would run him over. If you and I just go out dressed like we are, we're not in our right mind because there's no guarantee anybody would even notice authority except for who's in the middle of the road. You see, when we're clothed in Christ, nobody around us may, may see anything special, but you better believe there's a spiritual realm. And they know that you're not walking in your authority, you're walking in his authority. And there is something physical that people pick up about that, I'm telling you. Don't make it your, your goal to be known. Make it your goal to be surrendered. And let people see Christ. So have you received? I can say more about the spiritual authority because I, I also believe in coming in the, under the authority of a local church. You, you may, there are many out there that, well, I, I, I'm a part of God's church. I'm a part of the kingdom. I don't, be, I don't believe you need to belong to a local church. Well, where are you rooted and grounded? Let me just ask you that. Where are you rooted and grounded? Where are you held accountable? Well, I don't need people in my business. Yes, you do. I mean, we're not trying to get in your business, but yeah. Yeah, you do. You need to be held accountable. I'm held accountable. I've got leaders over me. I'm held accountable. Why? Because there's no way, as a leader, you cannot lead if you're not being led. And in the local body, in the local church, it's just a place for us to grow, not to try to be a leader of people, but to be used of God, and that people all around us, this world needs Jesus, guys. And it's not about arguing over what we think is right or wrong, it's just loving people, letting God use you every day of the week, and then us coming together on Sundays and celebrating, amen? Let's stand. If you'll just bow your heads just for a moment. I just want you to be able to focus on you and what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now. <clears throat> Lord, we desire that our lives be wholly yours. Paul tells us that don't we realize that we are the temple? Of the Holy Spirit, we are not our own. Lord, let us live our lives in such a way that our lives are not our own. That you are with us. You reside in us. And as you speak to us, Lord, it, it's not about condemnation. It's about growth. We beat ourselves up. And Lord, I come against that in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that we be free of that. You tell us you did not come to condemn the world, but that through Jesus Christ, the world would be saved. So Holy Spirit, when you speak to us, it's not to condemn. It's to point us in the right direction. It's not to, to make us feel bad about what we're carrying. It's to get us excited about what we can pick up about how you're using us. It's not even for us to get excited about, about the different gifts because, Lord, you've got us positioned in the body of Christ for specific reasons. And, Lord, if, if we'll just bloom where we're planted, we'll be so blessed. So, Father, I pray that as we leave this place today,
Lord, that those that have made decisions to receive you as their Lord and Savior, those, Lord, that, has, that have asked to receive your Holy Spirit, Lord, maybe we've been following after you and, and really haven't surrendered our lives, but Holy Spirit, help us to see today that you're wanting to empower us for something greater than ourselves. There's a work to be done, and we want to walk in your power, but it's not about walking in arrogance. We humble ourselves before you. But Lord, I also pray that you be the brightest light that people will see this week. Lord, help us as we walk in authority, not to be about man, but to be about you. As we humble ourselves to each other, it's, it's not about looking for man's approval. It's about serving you. Now, Father, I pray that you would bless us, strengthen us. Lord, even as we dismiss in just a moment. Lord, in our conversations afterward. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak through us and to us. Let life be uh, delivered to people today. Let us speak words of life to each other. Let us, Lord, in the restaurants or at homes this afternoon, just speak life to each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I hope you've gone to the website and signed up for the groups and or just let us know who you are visiting. I love you. God bless you. And hopefully we'll see you in the group, if not next Sunday. Amen. God bless you. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.